Well, this morning we're going to conclude our series called Impact, the Power of a Significant Life. The idea as we started was was pretty simple, really. And that is that we don't want to get saved, become a Christian, and then just kind of wait and hang on and hold on until we finally get to go to heaven. We want to become a Christian. We want to become a believer in Christ, and then have a significant life while we're here. Always looking forward to that day that we get to go to heaven. But while we're here, we want it to mean something. And so we've been talking about how that can happen, how we can live a significant life. And to help us with that, we've been memorizing together Matthew 5, 16. Hopefully by now you've got it memorized. Let's read it together one more time. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you don't have that down yet, then I want to encourage you to keep working on it this week. Make sure by the end of the week you've got it because that's one of those verses that we need to just carry around with us for our entire lives. By the way, if you have your copy of Scripture with you, you may want to open to that verse because that's going to be our, our base camp this morning. Uh, that's going to be the primary text that we're going to be using. <clears throat> now, as we, uh, as we talk about the significant life, what that looks like and how we live that, we, we started by building a foundation of biblical belief. The power of a significant life lies first in the power of belief. If my beliefs are based on biblical truths, then my life can be a powerfully significant life. And then we moved on to the power of compassion. If I'm going to make a difference in the world around me, first I have to care about the world around me. If I don't care about anyone or anything else, then I'm probably not going to go to the trouble to make any difference. And so we talked about the power of compassion, how that drives us and motivates us to become people of significance. And then we talked about the power of generosity, that what I have can be used by God for His glory, that what I have can be used to do those things that will enhance life for others. He gives me certain treasures, talents, time, in order for me to use those things in a significant way. The power of generosity drives the, the power of a significant life. And then we talked about the power of team. How in order for us to really live a significant life, the reality is we need one another to be able to do that. God intended us that way. From the very beginning, God created human beings to, uh, to, to, to depend on one another, to work together. He created us to need one another. And that shows itself nowhere more strongly than in the church. God has placed each of us in a specific role within the body of Christ and he gave us specific spiritual gifts that will enable us to accomplish the role that he intends us to accomplish. And it is when we work together as a team that we are each able to have a more significant impact on the world around us. 
And then this morning, we're going we're gonna to kind of wrap it all up. We're going to summarize all that we've talked about and wrap it up as we talk about the power of influence. The power of influence. If you look again at our key verse, that's really what he's talking about there, isn't it? In Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light shine in such a way that people see your good works and they glorify your Father in heaven. He's talking about influence. Let your light shine in such a way that people take notice, have an influence in the world around you. Actually, that whole paragraph there in Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus is introducing his Sermon on the Mount, he, uh, he, he begins that great sermon, first with the Beatitudes, and then when he gets to the body of the sermon, he begins it by talking about how you are the salt and the light of the world. Salt and light have influence. Salt changes things. Light changes things. We make a difference as salt and light. We have influence. And so remember, he didn't say grow up into becoming salt and light. He didn't say try to be salt and light. He said, you are it. In other words, without the church, without disciples, without believers, this world has no salt and no light because we are the salt and the light. We are the influencers on behalf of the kingdom of God. And so as we look at the power of influence, I want us to begin by thinking about our mandate. What is our mandate? And the mandate is clear. Let your light so shine before men. Let your light shine in such a way that people notice. Your mandate is to shine, to make a difference, to, to, to change the world around you. People have to be able to see your good works if they're ever going to get to that, that final step, the, the purpose of the verse. In order to give God glory, they first have to see your good works. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If they don't ever see anything in your life that makes you special, different, that makes you um, uh, stand out in a lost, dark, crazy, mixed-up world, if nothing about you stands out in that chaos, how are they ever going to give God glory? The mandate is to shine. Not so that you can say, Hey, everybody, look at me. I can sing. <laughs> Hey, everybody, look at me. I can paint. Hey, everybody, look at me. I can, I can coach. It has nothing to do with drawing attention to self. But the mandate is clear. Shine. Make a difference. Have an influence. Have an impact on the world around you so that people will see you and say, wow, you must have a great God. The mandate is clear. Let your light shine. I heard of a minister one time who was making one of those wooden trellises, you know, where they, they put it in the flower bed or whatever and they let that vine climb up that thing. He was making one of his own and uh, he had it kind of laid out there and he was hammering the different pieces together. And this little fella lived next door and a little, little guy came over and he just stood there watching. 
He didn't say a word. He just kept watching. And the preacher just kept hammering, and he thought, well, the kid's going to get bored and leave pretty soon. But the kid just stood there watching. And finally, the, the, the pastor kind of said, well, um, you know what? I, I see you're, you're, you're kind of watching. You're kind of hanging around here. Are you trying to learn more about gardening? And the kid said, no, I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. You see, folks, people are watching. They're watching. They're listening. They may not even realize they are, but they are. And because they're watching, we want to shine. Again, not so that you feel special, but you shine so that their world becomes brighter. Your point is to influence the world. So when the world becomes brighter, they say, well, how did that happen? Glory to God. Our mandate is clear. Let your light shine before men. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12 makes it so clear. Live such good lives among the pagans. Don't get hung up on the word pagans. Today it has a, a much more negative context in his world at his time. It meant the people around us who don't know Jesus yet. Live such good lives among those who don't even know Jesus yet. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Even though they may talk bad about you, they can still see your good works, and glorify God. Doesn't matter what they say. What matters is what they see. You can't stop people from talking bad about you. It only took me 50 years to figure that out. So don't take that long to wait to, to figure out how to please everybody and keep people from talking about you. It doesn't work. You can't control what people say. You can control whether or not you shine. You can control whether or not you are showing them the difference that God can make in a lost, dark world. Let live such good lives among the, the world that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. So our mandate is shine. What is our motive, our motivation for all of this? Our mandate is shine. Our motivation is glory. Again, not yours, but his. The reason we're going to shine is to bring God glory. The reason we shine is so that he can receive the glory he deserves. Yesterday, Lisa and I were driving back from Lake Jackson. We, uh, we took a real quick trip down there, uh, went down on Friday and came back on Saturday. Um, it was important that we see her mom and um, and so we got to spend some time with them. We were driving back yesterday, and like we usually do when we're driving, um, you know, extended time, we, we, we put that uh, radio on, uh, on the Christian radio station, and uh, we just let it, let it go, and we're not necessarily paying that close attention. It's just on, you know, we're listening. But yesterday, as we were driving through Houston, it only took us about 12 hours to get from one side of Houston to the other. As we were driving, that's an exaggeration, a little bit. As we were driving through Houston and up this way, 
I was listening to the Christian radio station, and, and just to be completely, totally honest with you, it bothered me. Because this song said, God, you love me, you love me. The next song said, God, you think I'm beautiful, you think I'm beautiful. The next song said, God, you take such good care of me. You take such... Do you see why, I'm, why I was concerned? So much of our Christian music today is, God is here for me. Hey, folks, let's write some new songs. How about we start singing, I'm here for God. I'm here for Him. It all ought to be about Him. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works, but they give glory to your Father who's in heaven. See, I think that's a different level of living a life of influence. One level is, look at what a good guy John is. John's a good guy. He does good stuff. That's great. I've had little influence. But I'm not going to settle for that, and I hope you don't either. Instead, I want to live a life of influence that is a step above that. So instead of saying, isn't John a good guy? They say, wow, John must serve a great God. Let your light shine in such a way that they see the good stuff, but they glorify your Father who's in heaven. John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. You see, when our attention is on Him, when He is the source of our satisfaction, He is our only purpose. He will receive the glory. J.I. Packer wrote, the church is not to be like a, a bus where passengers sit quietly and let someone else do the driving. But they should be like an anthill where everyone is at work. I love that. The church is not a bus. You don't show up and get on the bus and let the preacher drive. The church is an anthill where we're all out there making a difference. Every member a minister, remember? All of us let our lights shine before men because our motivation is so powerful and meaningful. Our motivation is to bring God glory. Well, then what is our mission? Our mandate is to shine. Our motivation is His glory. What's our mission? Our mission is influence. That is the point and the purpose of salt and light. Let your light so shine. Let your light shine in such a way that people notice that it has an influence, that it changes the world around you. Bill was a drunk. He was converted at one of those inner city missions. And before his conversion, he had a reputation as, a, as an alcoholic for whom there was no hope. He was what they used to call a tramp. But once he changed, once he came to know Christ, once, once Christ saved him, everything changed. He became the most caring person in the mission. He spent all day, every day, doing whatever needed to be done. There was never anything he was asked to do that he thought was beneath him. Whether it was cleaning up vomit left from some alcoholic or scrubbing toilets used by men who left them filthy, Bill did it all with a heart of gratitude. 
He could be counted on to feed any man who wandered in off the streets and he would care for the needs of others when he was unable to care for himself. One evening after the mission, or one evening after dinner, the the mission director delivered the evangelistic message. You know, that's how the missions used to work. You come in, we'll feed you some soup, but if you're going to eat the soup, you got to stay and listen to the preaching. That's the way it used to work. Now we get it backwards. Now we preach and then go feed you spaghetti. Uh, we kind of messed that up, didn't we? But back then, you'd eat, and if, you'd stayed, if you wanted to eat, then you had to stay to hear the preaching. And, and, and sure enough, they would, uh, after, after the meal, he would preach. He delivered the evangelistic message. It was the usual crowd, same, same guys. And they, they all kind of had their heads drooped, but one of them came down to the altar where he kneeled down and he prayed. He cried out to God to help him change. He kept shouting, God, make me like Bill. Make me like Bill. The director of the mission leaned over and said, wouldn't it be better if you pray, make me like Jesus? And without giving it another thought, the man said, I don't know, is he like Bill? Could people see... Christ in you? When people looked at Bill, they didn't know they were seeing Christ. They they, they knew there was something different about Bill and that opened the door then to explain what made the difference. When people look at you, do they see you? Do they see another one of them? Or do they see a light shining in darkness, salt preserving the world? Do they see a change maker, an influencer who's ready and willing to change the world for God's glory? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. What in the world is that? Before we even go on with the verse, let me, get, let me get you caught up on that part, okay? In the Roman world, after a, after a, a, uh, a military leader would win a great victory, that commander, that's the word I was looking for, that commander would bring his troops in through the town and they would have this parade, a lot like a ticker tape parade. And that parade was called the triumphant. That's where that word comes from. It was the the parade of victory when the the Romans had won some big battle. And as they came through, the the commander was in this golden chariot that would come through. And then his men were there. And then the spoils of war. And then whatever slaves they had brought with them. And kind of surrounding that crowd were the religious folk. And they were, they were spreading this incense. So as they came through town, the smell of the town changed. You know, and, and that day, towns didn't always smell too good. But on that day, on the day of triumph, the whole town changed the smell because the influence of the incense Now, 
Thanks be to God who in Christ leads us in that parade, leads us in triumphal procession. Our commander has won the battle and now he leads us in the great parade celebrating that victory. And as he does, look, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We are the incense spreaders that changes the community around us because our commander is victorious. Our mission is to have an influence on our community. I, I, in studying this week, I came across this proverb and I've never noticed it before. I'm so excited about this proverb. Look, Proverbs 11.11. 11. By the blessing of the upright. What, who, what is the upright? Those of us who have been made righteous by Jesus Christ, the church. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Did you know that if the church really got involved in the community and served the community, spoke blessings over the community, said good things about the community to the community, worked hand in hand with other folks in the community to make things better, we can be the influence that exalts the city. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Words have such powerful strength. There are, there are those, even in our community, who by their very words tear down our community on a regular basis. Their negativity, their harsh criticism, their know-it-all attitudes, by their very words, they regularly are tearing down our community. And because that influence is there, it makes it all the more important and vital that the righteous, the upright, have an influence. The upright bring a blessing in which the city is exalted. And if you don't think we have folks in our community who by their mouth overthrow it and bring it down and tear it apart, if you don't think those folks exist, run for school board. Folks, they're here. And because they're here, instead of attacking or being mean to them, our, our role must be to counteract that influence by being a positive influence. And we can change our city. The people in this room right here can do it. We can change our entire community if we decide we're going to be lights in a dark world to bring God glory. And so we start serving and working and loving and speaking health and strength into this community. And that brings us to our method and we're done. Our mandate is shine. Our motivation, God's glory. Our mission, influence. Our method, how do we influence? Our method is love. Love. Matthew 22. You shall love 
your neighbor as yourself. That is our method. How do you have an influence on the world around you, the community you're in? Through love. Do you love your community? Do you love your community enough to make a difference here? Do you love your community enough to intentionally have a positive influence on it? Do you love your community enough to read to a child in an overcrowded school? Do you love your community enough to take a meal to a homebound senior adult? Do you love your community enough to volunteer some time at the thrift shop? Do you love your community enough to make a phone call or write a note to a lonely person? Do you love your community enough to mow the grass for the neighbor who's not feeling well? Do you love your community enough to take a meal to a family going through crisis? Do you love your community enough to do what's best for others even if it costs you something? Love is our method of accomplishing our mission, which is to influence our community for the glory of God. And we do that by letting our light shine that folks can see something's different. Dwight didn't go to school after fifth grade. He couldn't spell. He had terrible grammar. He even had worse manners. As a teenager, he moved to Boston all on his own. He was desperate for work. His uncle owned a shoe store, and he hired Dwight as a shoe salesman on the condition that he would go to church. At church, his Sunday school teacher was Edward Kimball. Mr. Kimball showed Dwight real kindness, and they became good friends. And one day, Mr. Kimball walked into the shoe store and asked Dwight to commit his life to Christ. And on April 21, 1855, Dwight L. Moody became a Christian. Later, Moody moved to Chicago and wandered the streets inviting kids to come to his Sunday school class. He never let a day go by without telling someone about Jesus. And he eventually became the greatest evangelist of his day, most estimates say that he probably led about a million people to follow Christ. After one of his evangelistic meetings, Moody met a college student named J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman was a Christian, but he was unsure of his salvation. And so Moody was able to help him gain a better understanding and to assure him that he was indeed saved. After college, Chapman then went on to seminary and he entered the pastorate. Soon he started working alongside Moody, and together they led many evangelistic meetings. Chapman then eventually hired a guy named Billy Sunday to help him, and he gave Sunday his start as an evangelist. Billy Sunday later formed an evangelistic club made up of businessmen in Charlotte, North Carolina. That group invited an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to come to Charlotte to lead a revival in 1934. One night during that revival, there was a boy named Billy who didn't like hearing that he was lost and going to hell. So he got up out of there as quick as he could and he said, I'm through. But then he was miserable all night and all of the next day. And he decided he better go back to the meeting the next night. 
When he did, he and his buddy Grady sat in the choir loft so the preacher couldn't see them because the night before they felt like the preacher was talking directly to them the whole time. When the invitation was given, someone said to Billy and Grady, let's go down front. So they did. And that night, Billy Graham became a Christian. And who knows how many people will be in heaven for all eternity because of his ministry. Imagine the impact on the world and the kingdom because one Sunday school teacher cared about a kid who never finished the fifth grade and didn't know how to behave. One person can make a huge difference when they live a life of influence all for the glory of God.